Stanford University. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, I'm going to try to do this efficiently and get it done so even if people leave at one, we can have some discussion. So uh, the first thing I have up here is um, uh, a little video. I just want you to look not at what's going on in a classroom, just look at the classroom itself. Okay? It's not bad, right? It's not, it's nice. Kids are well dressed. The two countries that we're going to be looking at are not poor countries, they're middle income countries. Okay? They're among the richest countries in Africa. I want you to keep that in mind. The, the um, average per capita inc, uh, GDP is very badly distributed, but is the average GDP in Botswana is the same as Chile's, and the one in South Africa is about the same as Brazil's in purchasing power. Okay, so you can see the classroom is pretty nice. I could show you a bunch of these, but it it doesn't really it's not really important. Uh, I just wanted you to have a look at the classroom to understand what we're talking about here. So. Um, this is a, an interesting and revealing story. What is good research but an interesting story, right? So we're going to try to tell an interesting story today. It has very big implications, I would say, even beyond the particular case. First, the story is interesting because it is comparative. And this is really what I'm trying to sell today. If I'm trying to sell anything, it's not the results, but really the idea of doing comparative studies. It's very hard to compare big questions about educational systems without doing comparative studies between countries. And the equivalent, I would love to do a study comparing the border area between, let's say, Minnesota or uh, Montana and the neighboring province in Canada. Canadians score higher uh, on uh, the international test than the US. Why? Well, there's no way to tell, really, without doing a comparison. It's very nice to run off to Finland and see what's going on in Finland compared to everybody else. But it would be really interesting why the Finns score higher than the Swedes. Do they? They do on the international test. But look at the border areas. There's something really different. By the way, in the border area, there's Swedes living on both sides of the border, or people of Swedish origin. Lots, there are lots of Swedes in Finland. So this is the kind of the same thing that we're doing here. We're going to compare large-scale differences, looking at systems. And um, the other thing that's interesting is about this study is because some things are very obvious, and yet you'll see that the obvious is not so obvious. Okay? There's some things that you think are obvious that are not that obvious. So the study was conducted uh, between us and Human Sciences Research Council in, in South Africa and the University of Botswana. Uh, so for better or for worse, it uh, was done uh, a lot by email. But ultimately, this was a joint study. Everybody's sharing in it. And uh, hopefully, everybody will take something away from it. Uh, it was a, in each country we did 60, we chose 60 primary schools at random from a lower income 
set of schools. In other words, we didn't sample private schools uh, in either country, and we didn't sample in, in um, South Africa uh, any Model C schools. Model C schools are former white schools that are now called Model C schools and which are integrated. Uh, so we just sampled basically, we did have non-African students in our sample, but a very high percentage were uh, African students. There were no non-African students in, uh, when I say African, I mean African. There are three categories in South Africa. Uh, African, what they call coloreds, uh, with an O-U-R, so nobody gets confused, uh, and, uh, and whites. Uh, so there are very few colored and whites in our samples, almost all people uh, who are Tswana, uh, Setswana, on both sides of the border. There are about 126 teachers. In this, these are sixth grade, only sixth grade. We only did math, and there are more than 5,000 students that we sampled, about 3,700 in South Africa and about um, 1,700 in Botswana. So we tested them in the beginning of the year and the end of the year. And pretty much the same test. Those of you who do these kinds of things, we varied, we moved the questions around, we uh, took, since it's a math test, we changed some of the numbers, but the questions were essentially the same. Um, and uh, we tested the teachers in mathematics. We filmed the teachers giving lessons at least once during the year, and most of them twice. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say, mo yeah, I think most of them twice. Um, analyze student notebooks. This is a very key part of the study. I'm going to do a lot on that. In the mid-year and end of the year uh, to determine curriculum coverage, what we call opportunity to learn. Opportunity to learn is interpreted in a very broad sense, but we're interpreting it mainly in terms of curriculum coverage. Um, and we applied detailed questionnaires to students, teachers, and principals. So it was a, a very, very big study. Uh, so what, the idea behind the study is it's a natural experiment in a sense that you have very similar kids on either side of the border and by accident of history some are in the South African education system and some are in the Botswana system and um, and by the way the histories aren't all that different because in fact um, as you'll see in a second uh, or as I'll show you in a second that uh, uh, part the part in the South African side was actually much of it uh, was a homeland, what's called a homeland, which means that during the apartheid era, this was considered a independent country. Uh, it, uh, the homeland consisted, as you'll see, lots of kind of islands. It was all the bad land. The good land and the main cities were uh, white, uh, or white and colored. And uh, so the history of this homeland is very tied to actually the history of Botswana. And even for a while, even after Botswana independence, there was some talk of taking the homeland and making it part of Botswana. So I'm just saying they're very similar, I mean, they're very similar cultures on either side of the border, same people, there's some differences. But the main thing that's different is the, that one is governed by an educational system that had a very different history because it was an apartheid system. And the other, after 1966, when Botswana gained independence, was basically run by the Botswana government. And, happily for them, it wasn't until 1967 that diamonds were discovered in Botswana. The British had left before they figured out that there was a tremendous amount of diamonds there. 
And so the, basically, uh, the Botswana government had control of all these resources and, uh, and, con and control of the way they did things in the country. Um, uh, the fact that one country was under apartheid and the other should not be min minimized. It made tremendous differences in the way uh, teachers uh, saw themselves and in the way uh, the system developed and what happened after 1994 post-apartheid in South Africa in the school system versus what was going on in Botswana. I can't go into all of this stuff, but it's uh, in the report. We talk about it quite a bit. Um, anyway, in these two different contexts, we want to compare how schooling is delivered and what the factors are that contribute to schooling and then draw some implications in, that are much more general about school systems and um, uh, what, what this kind of study means. So here is the area. It's, um, um, it's the part along the Botswana border and the South, Botswana South African border and was the, the area in which we sampled, uh, which is uh, more uh, up to the north a little bit. Uh, along that border. So we went 50 kilometers on either side of the border and we took our random sample of schools there and focused on sixth grade mathematics. So uh, we, had, uh, we knew from international tests that the kids in Botswana sixth grade and by the way in eighth grade uh, did considerably better than uh, in South Africa in general, South Africa as a whole. Uh, Northwest province is a uh, small province is three and a half million people. Uh, that's the province alongside the Botswana border. It's three and a half million people. Uh, Botswana is less than two million people. Maybe it's about two million people now. So they're both small. Most of the population in Botswana is down near this border. Uh, the uh, Northwest province is not poor anymore because they discovered platinum um, back in the 80s, 70s or 80s. And so uh, platinum mines in Northwest make it a, a relatively rich province. Uh, when I say relatively rich, the, there's about a 50% poverty rate in Northwest versus 75% in many other provinces of South Africa. So it's a less poor province. Um, so we knew they were, they were doing better in Botswana and we wanted to kind of see whether we could find out why they were doing better. And what, um, what we really, and what we found, I'm giving you a little preview here, is that we didn't find any one thing that made this tremendous difference. Rather, it's a series of small things that when put together make uh, this about half a standard deviation difference. Now, I want to point out something else. That in fact, Botswana is not a high scoring country uh, on these sixth grade tests in Africa. East African countries, Uganda, Tanzania, and, and um, Kenya, all perform uh, much better uh, than even Botswana. Uganda, a little bit better, but Kenya and Tanzania, even better, and Kenya, much better. And actually, we got the Kenyans to do a piggyback um, study on ours, which basically matched our study. They did it a little bit differently. But their test scores on the same test were much higher 
than the tests, even in the low-income schools, because they had a separate thing below income. So it's all clear that there are differences. And the question is, how do you find, where do we find out what's going on? So what we did was, we wanted to know about the gains, the gains in the test. And this is a very important thing. We didn't just look at the test cross-sectionally. We measured the beginning of the year and end of the year. So we could actually attribute them, those differences, to what was going on that year in the school. Okay? And we knew everybody's teacher. We knew everybody's school. We knew everything. We knew a lot about the teacher, you'll see. And uh, it, that's what it... Uh, we were trying to identify what contributed to this in the school. We know that social class differences make a difference. By the way, the social class differences in our sample, in our two samples, were very small. In fact, the South African average social class, the way we measured it, was articles in the home, was a little bit higher than the one in Botswana. A little bit higher, but not enough to make a difference. But I just want to tell you that um, we know that social class differences, we're trying to get we're trying to find out what's going on in the schools that make a difference. But we're going to control for social class, and we're not going to focus on that. Okay? So here uh, are the test scores, item by item, uh, on the 40-question test that we gave. And the red line is the Botswana test, and the black line is the South Africa test. And you can see two things about this that are very interesting. Number one, in general, the kids in the two countries did badly both, in both countries, did badly on some items and better on others. They did badly or better on the same items. Okay? It's pretty interesting. So it was not, it's not like the kids in Botswana were learning items that the kids were learning much better on certain items than the kids in South Africa. They just did a little bit better on, on almost all the items. Not on every item, but on almost all the items. That's how they scored higher. Okay, so it was a question of they learned better what, uh, but certain items they did very badly on, these low items. Lots of them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven items they did very badly on. Okay, and they did badly in general on the test. The average score on the initial test was 28 out of 100 in South Africa and 33, 34, 34, I think, in Botswana. Okay? In Kenya, the scores were in the mid-40s on the initial test. Much, much higher. Okay? So that's that. And I just show you one um, student achievement gains. And you can see the red is the second test and the black is the first test. And this is just for Botswana. So they made some gains. And in fact, the gains were four points on average across the items on the second test over the first test. Four points. It's about a third of a standard deviation, which is not bad in one year. That, again, the gains were higher in Kenya. And three, three points in South Africa. So even the gains were higher in Botswana. They started higher and they finished even higher. So there were difference in the gains, okay, was positive. Um, and here, we, we, we graded the teacher test in two ways because many of the questions were multi-item, unlike the student test. On the teacher test, we were trying to get at some, uh, not only mathematics content knowledge, but 
mathematics uh, pedagogical content knowledge. And so we gave some multi-item tests, multi-item questions. So I'm just showing you one, we graded it in two ways. We graded as if each part of each question was a separate item. So there were 63 possible items. And, but there were only 24 questions. So we graded it one way just based on the 24 questions as each, each question is one question, no matter how many parts. So that weights each question equally. And then in the other way we graded it was that we gave the multiple part questions a greater weight. So this is, I'll show you just, it looks pretty much the same, but this one's a little bit easier to tell because there are only 24. So you can see it, that the Botswana teachers, again, scored higher on almost all the items, and the Botswana and South Africa teachers did badly on all the same items and did well on all the same items. Okay? Now, here, so you can see, and by the way, the teacher test scores were, uh, on certain items, were very high. But on average, they were not high. Uh, the average test score in Botswana was about 54, and in South Africa was 46. By the way, this test had about five items from the student test on it and then 19 that were a little bit, that were different, and were a little bit harder, admittedly. But these, by the way, are all items taken from, and in all cases, student and teacher, taken directly out of the Botswana and South African curricula, which are very similar. And uh, they, bo they both use the same, the, the aims of the curriculum. If you look, we have a student now, Niadi, who worked on this and is just completely defending next week, uh, looking at the curriculum process in both countries, very interesting differences. And so there are differences in the curriculum process, but actually the curriculum covers pretty much the same thing day to day. Um, so the, these tests were taken from that. These teachers should have been able to answer every one of these questions. On average, they should have scored 60% or higher on every one of these questions. Okay. Okay. So here's the other part of it, which is the OTL, um, and these are the number of lessons. Can you see this? Your eyes are not deceiving you. Out of 130, we tested. Uh, we uh, looked at the notebooks up until the beginning of November. The year ends officially around December 9th or 10th, but the fact is that we know that in the last month of the year, almost nothing happens in these schools. Okay, so, but that said, there should have been at least 130 lessons, maybe even 140 according to the time schedule uh, on, of, the, of the school year. Uh, they should have been uh, 130 or 140 lessons and in uh, Northwest, the average was 52 lessons. Now, how do we know this? We know this because under the uh, outcomes-based education system, the teachers, the students, are, the teachers are required to have the students write in their notebooks. Every time there's a lesson, they have to record something in their notebooks and there's an assignment. So 
I've looked at these notebooks. We asked for the best three notebooks in the class, in every class we went to. And best three means the kids who are there, uh, most of their best students. And we looked at their notebooks, and you can just look at the dates of the lesson. You just go through. So we did this twice during the year. And by the end of the year, we had the whole notebook and uh, recorded lessons. Not only that, but we found out what, by looking at these notebooks and with a protocol, a very detailed protocol, find out what they taught in these lessons. You can tell from the notebook. So rather than asking the teachers what they taught, which a lot of questionnaires do, the Tims, etc., they asked them what they taught. We actually observed what they taught. Okay? And I won't go into detail, but we have a whole chapter in the book about the analysis of what they taught. I'll give you one short thing in a minute. Um, here is the frequency of the number of lessons. Okay? Just the number of classrooms. This is the number of classrooms that had this many lessons on the bottom. So you can see the red lines are Northwest and the blue lines are uh, Botswana. And you can see quite a bit of variation, more in Botswana than in, than in, in Northwest. But the average, as I said, is around 50 in uh, Northwest and is around 80 <coughs> in Botswana. Botswana, yes, has 30 more lessons, but far less than 130. Okay, now, one question you might ask is, how come? How come there's so few lessons? Well, it's a very interesting question and really has to be explored more in detail. Uh, we asked uh, whether, uh, we asked principals and teachers and students whether absenteeism was a problem. And there seemed to be, it's a complicated question. Because if you don't think you're absent when you're not teaching, uh, that's one possibility. That you're actually at the school, but you decided not to teach the lesson, that's one possibility. There are lots of reasons that teachers are absent in which they are considering that they're not absent. For example, if you go to a union meeting or professional development, uh, which is scheduled, by the way, during the school day, Okay, it's not extra days like we have here. It's scheduled during the school day because, uh, in both countries because the unions insist on that. Now, the union is much weaker in, in Botswana, but nevertheless, it's a similar uh, type of arrangement. Uh, we know from interviewing the principals, in fact, one, in one principal actually kept a book for a month of, of teachers leaving the campus for official reasons, the school for official reasons, and she thought she'd keep the book for the whole year, but she, this book was quite thick, and she ran out after six weeks. She ran out of space in the book. So she was quite livid about it, but there's nothing she could do about it. So the main thing were union meetings, professional development meetings, et cetera. And many teachers might even consider that being ill, because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, what's, you know, a, a legitimate absence, is not an absence. Anyway, the long and the short of it is they don't believe absenteeism is a problem, uh, uh, particularly in South Africa. Uh, and uh, they don't believe violence is a problem either, even though we know that some of these schools, there's a lot of violence. The, st the gap between student reports of violence and teacher and principal reports of how violent things are was much bigger in South Africa than it was in Botswana. Botswana's tended to be a little bit more professional about their answers 
uh, to these things, or more likely to see things, a reality that actually existed, rather than a reality that they, they sort of uh, structured in their minds. So this is a serious problem when you're meeting 40% uh, of the time that you're supposed to meet. Okay? So, as I'll show you, so here are the topics covered um, by topic. These are the main groups of topics in the curriculum. Um, numbers, operations, relationships, space and shape, measurement, patterns, functions in algebra, data handling. Okay? So you can see that except in patterns, functions, and algebra, uh, the uh, uh, Botswana uh, covers um, more uh, in, in every case. Okay? So it's consistent with the more meetings. Okay, so here's the, here's the opportunity to learn puzzle. This is, by the way, in international uh, circles, such as they are, uh, and uh, that are, this is a big topic of discussion about time on task. Okay? It's believed that time on task will make a huge difference. If you can get people, uh, teachers to show up and teach, then it would make a huge difference in how much kids learn. And that's, you know, it's kind of, there's a logic to that, right? If you don't teach the subject, how can the student learn? So the more you can get them into the classroom and teaching the subjects, the more they'll learn. Well, it would seem that that's true. People are having difficulty finding evidence for this, by the way. And I'll show you uh, some of the problems. Um, we uh, ran um, across the two countries just gains, just gains. You've got to be careful here because you can't run the average test score because that might be, it might be the teacher's with higher social class kids actually do teach more. And it turns out that they do uh, in, in both these samples, uh, particularly in South Africa. But, so you, if, you, if you just run the cross-section, sort of the level of the test, that's really not capturing what you want to capture. You want to capture, in terms of learning in the year, is that affected by how many times the teacher appeared? So I ran that across countries, simple correlation. And it was positive, that's good, just number of lessons without saying anything going on in the lessons. But it's a very small coefficient and it's not significant. It's almost significant, but it's not quite significant in 10%, significant 12%. And you could argue for, you know, for 126 classrooms, small sample, it's close enough. But it's a very small coefficient, that's even more important, which means that even if you increased the um, number of classes by 30, according to this, uh, the difference between Botswana and South Africa, you would get a very small increase in gain. Okay? You'd get, instead of 3, you would get 3.6. Now, you could say that's half the distance to Botswana, so that's a lot, but I'll show you some variables that are more important than that. Okay? So, um, we... Uh, do have other measures of OTL which are, which are better. Uh, one is the number of lessons on the topics covered in the test. Okay? We know that. Uh, and uh, we also know the number of topics covered. Uh, so these probably better capture what we're after. 
So one innovative way to look at that, which nobody's ever done, is to look at the gains on each item versus the number of times that the teacher in a particular classroom, so look at the item gains by classroom on each item versus the number of times the teacher touched that item during the year. Okay, so now you have a matrix of 40 items and 60 classrooms in each country. Okay, 2,400 observations now. And we ran that, and I want to show you the results. For South Africa, very interesting. Look at the last column, which is, it's, there's a quadratic version of this, which is really nice, because it says, and it's significant, it says that up to a certain amount of lessons per item, there's a positive effect. And then at a certain amount, it begins, it peters off, it turns down. More than that, so it turns out that the, that the apex here, where it starts to go, starts to turn down, the parabola turns down, is at, in South Africa, is at six and a half times per year on, each, on an item. The average that's being done in South Africa is two and a half times. So there's a long way to go before you get to the maximum. So you can improve quite a bit on the gains by just teaching the items better. So this is a better measure of opportunity to learn. Okay? Now, it would be really nice if we got the same estimate for Botswana, but we don't. We get a negative <laughs> coefficient, and they don't teach the items any more often on average, than do the South Africans. In fact, a little less. Okay? So we have to be very careful. Apparently in Botswana, now these are just across our classrooms. I'm always telling you this. This is just across our classrooms. We're limited to talking about this set of 64 classrooms in South Africa and 62 in Botswana. And remember, we truncated the sample we're talking about low-income, low-to-middle, low-middle-income classrooms in this context. We're not, we've cut off the top. So this, this is important to understand, but it's also good for us because we're really dealing with what happens down at the bottom. We're not, we would pick up a lot of variation if we included, you know, schools, modesty schools with better teachers, et cetera, et cetera. But we didn't do that. We want to see what are policies down at this level of, of, of classroom. So in Botswana, this is not a very good thing. We have not figured out why it would be negative, but it could be, that's what I'm saying, it's the, it's the opportunity to learn puzzle. If you just focus, I'll show you more and more, if you just focus on one thing, on one thing that goes on in these classrooms, you won't get the answer. You will not get the answer. You have to focus on the totality of things that is going on, they're, and they're correlated with each other. That's even worse. Okay, so you saw the math test scores for the teachers, and um, uh, this is the relationship. Actually, let me, let me skip this and come back. So here, here is from the videotapes. So we had, uh, we had two really great uh, math uh, people, uh, math educators, looking at uh, young math educators who did this with us. 
one in South Africa and one in um, San Marcos, Texas. I've worked with her on Latin American stuff. She's just terrific. Um, and um, she, uh, uh, they graded, they did a lot of things. There's a whole chapter on this. Uh, and, and they will publish this stuff themselves. Uh, uh, they uh, graded uh, the videotapes on various things. One of them is their uh, general knowledge on the test. Okay, So you can see here that Botswana scores higher on all the things, particularly on their knowledge of sixth grade mathematics, as revealed by the videotapes. By the way, I have to tell you, they had not seen the math test scores. I had not showed them the math test scores of these teachers before they looked at these tapes. Okay, so they, they were not influenced at all. This was done purposely. They had no knowledge of what we knew about these teachers, except what, was, what they saw in the videotapes. And this is how they graded this, quite independently. And you can see the pedagogical knowledge was about the same, and the pedagogical content knowledge was uh, just a little bit higher in Botswana. But really, content knowledge, huge difference. Now, if you look at Kenyan videotapes, this goes through the ceiling compared to these. The content knowledge of the Kenyan teachers is enormously high compared to either of these countries, and particularly South Africa, but uh, their uh, general pedagogical knowledge is about the same in Kenya. So it's quite pretty interesting. We're going to go further and compare with Kenya. So let's go back now and look at the relationship. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to show you one other thing. So here are the overall teacher ratings overall teacher ratings. In other words, they take all these 12 items that they grade the teachers on and they come up with an overall teacher rating, one, two, three. Okay? And uh, the one, two, three, it doesn't look like Botswana is actually that much better. They have uh, more ones, which is low. Uh, they have fewer twos, but they have more threes. So the distribution for Botswana is tilted a little bit to the top, but not much. There's not much difference between the two. Again, if you just looked at this, you'd say, well, teacher doesn't make much difference. Now, let's look at the relationship between that grading of one to three, overall rating, which is on this axis, versus the teacher test score. And what's really interesting about this is I can't tell which one's which, but, uh, but no, it's South Africa's the red, but Northwest is the red, and Botswana is the blue. So what's interesting about this is that there's a much more significant, statistically there is a much more significant, they're both significant, a relationship between these two measures, but it's much more significant in the um, case of South Africa. So there's a much tighter fit between how well teachers taught according to the independent rating of them and how well they did on the test. Okay? So there is a relationship between the test in both countries, but it's less clear in Botswana. Now remember, the Botswana scored higher on average, so, uh, but there's, there's just as much uh, variation in both countries. So, so uh, now let's do the next thing, which is to let's see what of these measures, teacher test score, Pedagogy, this rating of the teachers uh, uh, and other variables, uh, the OTL, the total lessons on topics, 
Uh, and below, I had an, another one, which is uh, uh, the total topics. I didn't show that, but it's okay. Uh, this is good enough. So here, if you can read this uh, big matrix, I want to tell you two things about this. This is, I want to show you here that in the, I want to tell you a little preview to this. A little preview to this is if you just look at the variation in the last test, the second test, and, you, and if you just see how much of the variation in that second test is explained by the variation in the first test. So what's the relationship between the second test and the first test? You'll see that in South Africa, there's only 26% of the variance in the second test is explained by the variation on the first test. This is across students, individual students. If you, in Botswana, it's over 50% is explained. If you add the variation across classrooms, see what the variation across classrooms, you add that, to the first test or run it alone, you get the opposite effect. That in South Africa, a much higher fraction of the variance on the second test is explained by the variation across classrooms. And in Botswana, very little, about three or four percent is explained by the variation across classrooms. So what that's telling you is that across these classrooms, we have a lot that we can explain in South Africa, or should be able to explain in South Africa, by differences in what's going on in the classrooms. But in Botswana, there's very little that we can explain by what's going on across classrooms. There's something much more regularized about the Botswana classrooms than the South African classrooms, at least in our sample. Okay? So now when we get to this, now the second question we want to ask uh, is, what is it about the teachers, what are the particular characteristics of the teachers that uh, explain these uh, differences in gains? So let me start without looking at gains and just say if you just were using the post-test, which is very typical what you do with international tests, if you just look at the one test, okay, it doesn't take account of anything that happened before in terms of kids' academic achievement, and say what what explains this? Well, average social class is obviously enormously important, right? Uh, better teaching quality, better teaching quality is two, is two versus uh, two, uh, better teaching quality is a, a rating of two, and a best teaching quality is a rating of three. Okay? There, there are rather few people in the best teaching in each case. There are lots of people in both two and one. But in any case, uh, uh, in terms of the better teaching quality, that's significant, and total lessons on topics is significant in South Africa, and in Botswana, the better teaching quality is also significant, the uh, coefficient is smaller, and the other thing, uh, and in both cases, uh, as you would expect, average class SES is very significant. So when you, of course, when you run just the post-test, you find that the average social class of the class is very important. That's what they found was find in every cross-section test. Okay, Coleman, starting in 1966, had this problem. What is it that 
trying to identify is hard to try to identify teacher effects when you just have one test because it's so highly correlated with social class. Now, the next stage, we run two different ways to do value added. In the first case, it's the post-test controlling for the test score, the initial test score. Now, I won't go into the differences of uh, each one of these ways has their own advantages. But uh, uh, in both cases, uh, what's, what's interesting is that we would expect that the effect of teachers would actually decline as we do this. And you can see that in the Botswana case, they do. They follow that rule, but not in South Africa. Now, why would we expect teachers' affected decline? Well, because if teacher quality is correlated with social class or correlated even with initial test score, then you would expect uh, that once you take out the initial test score, you would lower the teacher coefficient. That doesn't happen in South Africa. Uh, it does happen that class, average class, uh, SES in the classroom does eventually disappear uh, and uh, disappears right away in Botswana in significance and gets very small in both countries, so uh, that eliminates that. What's, what's interesting is that in, uh, in uh, South Africa, the total lessons on topics remains significant. So it's consistent with the previous thing where I show you item by item gains and it's significant, okay? So we, in South Africa we find that the quality of teaching as measured by the scale one to three is highly significant and so is time on task. Okay? In Botswana we find that quality of teaching is also important the coefficient is much smaller, much smaller, which is what we'd expect because there's much less variation between classes. Okay? And the other thing that's significant is teacher test, I believe. Yeah, teacher test score. Okay? So, let's see what the effect sizes are very quickly. The effect size in South Africa are large, which means that if you can move, if you can get all your teachers, a typical uh, Eric Hanischek statement, if you can get all your teachers to be number twos instead of number ones, uh, you will increase uh, the uh, uh, test score by a half a standard deviation. Okay? So if we could just get rid of all the number ones and replace them with number twos, we would have a half a standard deviation higher test score, and it would eliminate the difference between the two, uh, uh, the two countries just by doing that. We could also increase total lessons by a standard deviation, and we could uh, increase by a quarter of a standard deviation just by increasing by, I think the standard deviation, it's about, uh, I think it's about 12 lessons is the standard deviation. So if we just increase by 12 lessons, we'll get a quarter of standard deviation difference. If we increase up to the Botswana level, 30 lessons, we get closer to half a standard deviation, a little bit more. Go, cool. it eliminates the difference. Um, so these are two good policy variables, okay, uh, to eliminate the difference between the two. Uh, 
in Botswana, the effect size is smaller, just like we would expect, because there's less variation between classrooms in our, in our thing. So it's much smaller on the effect of improving teaching, et cetera. So uh, what does this mean? What, what general lessons can we draw from? We can focus on these policy variables, and we can say, oh, this is the way to equalize. Or I would prefer to focus on what are the general implications of even doing a study like this? What does it tell us in a larger sense? Well, in a larger sense, we know that, you know, in education there's a big debate about efficiency versus uh, resources, right? So conservatives generally say the problem is efficiency, and uh, liberals generally say the problem is resources. Okay, so what can we learn about that question here? Well, we know that Botswana invests somewhat more resources than Northwest Province. And uh, we also think, from what we can see, that the results show greater possibilities of improving student achievement just in using existing resources better, you know, spending more time on task, etc. So one way to view this is that there's more room for improvement in Northwest, even though the resources in, in both countries are not used very effectively. I mean, if you're teaching 80 out of 130 lessons in Botswana, you're also being pretty inefficient. But you're not being as inefficient as in South Africa. So how much can come from more resources and how much can come from more efficiency uh, when you compare these two countries? Uh, probably the answer is that you need somewhat more resources in South Africa, and a lot more efficiency in order to catch up with uh, Botswana. And let me show you, um, there's one, I, I want to say one other thing before I get to, to this uh, tremendously complicated drawing that I'm going to show you. But uh, there's one other way to look at this. You could argue that the South African school, I mean, I'm saying inefficiency, but you have to be careful when you use that term. Because it may be that the South African schools are actually producing something that the, we're not measuring. That we've seen it, but we're not measuring it. And that is, it may be producing some sort of well-being for the teachers as the former vanguard of the revolution that we're not measuring. We're seeing that as a bad. But as far as the teachers are concerned, it's pretty good don't have to show up all the time, you don't really have to teach the lessons, and this is your right because you were the vanguard of the revolution. So you're political, you're the political leaders, you're producing, you're producing a kind of a, an ideology, a culture in the kids and in the community which we're not measuring, and that they see themselves, by the way, as doing. They see themselves in that way. We helped overthrow apartheid, we are, an, in Africa, by the way, uh, in general, uh, teachers, in, in, not only in Africa, but in, in, in countries, the way teachers see their main role is not necessarily to improve the academic achievement of the kids, not the main role. They see it somewhere on the list. And we've had, uh, I had a study uh, by a, a graduate student, a doctoral thesis, uh, some years ago, looking at the country of um, Benin, used to be uh, Dahomey, 
and this is former French Africa, and they measured, went around and did a qualitative study and measured how teachers saw themselves. And they did not, they listed as the responsibility for academic achievement of students number four on the list, or five. Number one on the list was to be the lighthouse for the community, the le phare, the lighthouse for the community. That was their list. Second was to be a good civil servant, represent the government in the community. Okay? And down there was somewhere, because they saw it was really his parents' responsibility to, for the academic achievement kids. They just presented the program. Okay, so we have to consider that. The teachers don't, they're not all American, British, Australian teachers who see themselves mainly as responsible for kids' achievement. So we have to be careful about that. So here uh, is next to last slide. I just want to show you that from an economist standpoint, here I come back to being an economist, that there is a way to characterize this, and that is through the production possibilities curve, where basically achievement gain is an output, and all other things that are produced in the society are on the y-axis. And what happens is that for these two countries, the most they can produce is that dark black line on the outside, and South Africa, which is this in, inner dotted line, is way below what they could be producing with the same resources. Same resources. This is the, uh, for every unit of resource you give up, they, give, they get less achievement gain. And this, these two black lines, these parallel to the x-axis, the top one is how many resources Botswana use, uh, I'm sorry, South Africa uses, and the next one is how many the more resources, lower the line, the more resources you use for achievement gain. And you can see that in this case, South Africa is producing a lot less achievement than Botswana, and, and South African can produce, through efficiency gains, can get um, much closer to Botswana than simply using more resources. So this is a nice way to characterize it. Uh, from an economist standpoint. When economists do these production functions, they usually forget that this is really what they're doing. It's implicit in what they're doing, but it's very hard to do this kind of thing unless you do comparative research. In other words, you've got to compare two producing units, in this case two countries, in order to make this kind of analysis. Another advertisement for doing comparative research. So here are the conclusions. So uh, we know that uh, we, we verified that Botswana uh, produces uh, better, uh, more achievement than uh, South Africa, uh, but uh, it creates, our, our study uh, shows that there's considerable improvement in South Africa through more effective teacher training and more effective accountability measures to increase student uh, opportunity to learn. In other words, you have to really get into the school. Someone has to say, look, you got to teach the classes every day the way you're supposed to, but that's not enough because if you put a teacher in a classroom that doesn't know how to teach very well, they just have them teaching more time, that's not going to do anything. That's mainly what this is saying. What this is saying is that there's a kind of a, uh, a, a group of things that are correlated with each other. By the way, all these things are correlated with each other. Uh, that has to be done, these small things that have to be done. And that said, we can say that uh, even though Botswana doesn't do very well either, 
um, despite a lot of financial resources and years of better organization, we, we have observed that the Botswana teachers are basically adhering more to the curriculum. They're, uh, you can tell what they're teaching on a given day, where in the curriculum there are. In South Africa, it's very difficult to tell what they're doing. And uh, this is a way that indicates also that the Botswanas are being more efficient. Okay. Um, they're both in a low equilibrium trap. And uh, without doing something really drastic about the quality of what's going on in those classrooms, uh, it's going to be very hard to get out of that low equilibrium trap. And a lot of that may take time. The positive thing is that it, uh, in both countries, uh, the teachers are now being trained at a much higher level. Uh, in Botswana, they did it more intelligently. They simply declared that uh, you have to have a different degree in order to go to teacher training college. In South Africa, they closed the teacher training colleges and said you have to have a university education without raising primary school salaries. And uh, as a result, they're having uh, trouble recruiting primary school teachers. Uh, so. Uh, I would say there are inefficiencies at many levels taking place in these countries. Anyway, that's the story. Question. Yes. Prudence. Hi. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, push here a little bit. I, I wonder the extent, you, you have certainly hinted at some of the contextual factors that The age? Age of the teachers. Yeah. Are the teachers older in South Africa? Are they a product of the, South Af of the apartheid system, which would explain that they are not trained very well, many of them, of course, if they were part of those segregated teaching colleges? So I'm wondering if you actually have run a function with the age of teacher at all to see if the younger teachers who have come out of the university under the, in the last 15 years post-apartheid democracy might be doing slightly differently or better than those who were trained under the I wouldn't have expected less, but it's a great question. So the answer to your question is the teachers in both our samples of schools are pretty old, but they are older in a South African case. They are older. They're quite old. They are almost all a product of the apartheid system. And they're very, there's some in a sample that were trained in, in the, after 94. In Botswana, it's also true. They were trained, mo almost all the teachers were trained under the system where you only had to have a, a ninth grade uh, O-level uh, certificate in order to go to teacher training colleges. Now in Botswana, you have to have an A-level certificate. So we think, uh, I'm waiting for the results of um, the South Africa teacher training study, which is uh, or already available in some form, and I, I hope to have them in a couple of weeks because Botswana also did a, such a study under the IEA uh, stuff. So we know a lot about the test scores of the teachers who are new teachers, and, uh, and including content knowledge. It's a different test than we gave. It's probably a little harder, actually. So uh, the Botswana teachers did reasonably, they didn't do that great, but they did reasonably well. 
on that the new teachers uh, better than these older teachers. So if that's true in South Africa too, eventually that should lead to better situation. Now, the, the other side of it is that in these rural areas, uh, the teachers were trained in local teacher training colleges. I don't think, by the way, that the training was actually that much better in Botswana at the time these teachers were trained than in the Botswana teacher training colleges. They were very similar. They were, po they were basically secondary schools, and the math that they had when they came in was not improved very much. So there's, they know a little bit more in Botswana, and maybe that's the result of that. But the answer to your question is, yes, they're old. I have to say, first of all, that I, I think, well, I agree with you that that is what, certainly a major component, uh, but I have to say that uh, they, the fact that the, uh, the pedagogical content knowledge was, was pretty low on both of them, uh, that that probably has to be improved too. We could, it's, it's very difficult on a teacher test, even though we tried to separate out mathematical content knowledge from content knowledge. De Deborah Ball has given up on this and it simply calls it mathematical knowledge. Okay, and I agree with her. It's time to give up on it because we, in a pilot we try to separate them. They were just highly correlated. So uh, my, I would say this, that it would not, that if you wanted to do one thing, if you just wanted to do one thing, if you could just focus on one ball at a time, Yes, teach math, teach better math. So the teachers need to have better grasp of the concept of teaching. Exactly. If you just can, if if you just can do one thing, that's what that's what I would do. Of course, if you could manage to figure out how to also teach them to teach the math better, do that too. But, but would your data support? That's my question. Do your data support the, the the efficacy of going that route? The pedagogical knowledge. My data cannot tell you that. I can't distinguish that. However, I would, I just told Linda that I went to one of the comparative ed talks. It was a big study sponsored by the Hewlett in six African countries, uh, not given to an American great institution like Stanford, but to Sussex. Okay, I have a, a teacher educators in Sussex, and so, or maybe they weren't even teacher educators, I think they were. But, Maybe. I, she wasn't involved in the study. But anyway, uh, the, the Kenyan guy who is also from Sussex who got up and said they're teaching too much content knowledge in Kenya. That was his conclusion with very faulty data, but that's what he concluded because that's what they were teaching in the Kenyan schools. Okay, If you look at the Kenyan vi videos, it is clear that their content knowledge is much higher. Then they, they're teaching, I didn't tell you, that the teachers here are teaching 
basically at the fourth and fifth grade level, for almost entirely. In Kenya, there's much more sixth grade teaching. Okay? It's, and it's in part, you can tell from the videos that they just know more math. They're not great on the pedagogy or the pedagogical economy. They just know more math. And guess what? The kids score really a lot higher, even in the lowest income schools. And you know what low income means in Kenya? Average income in Kenya is one-seventh of that in Botswana. One-fifth of that in... If you look at the classroom, I showed, you, I showed you the classroom to start with for a reason. This classroom looks pretty nice. And all of them look pretty nice, even in the rural schools. If you look at the Kenyan videos, the thing you're struck with them immediately in these uh, lowest uh, schools is the poverty in those schools, evident from the classroom. So despite that, they're able to do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it should be only content knowledge. Don't, I, don't want to get, I can't tell you what exactly it is. But content knowledge is like a necessary but not sufficient condition. That's clear. We're going to. We're, no, we're meeting with them on, on July 10th. We're bringing them all to, we're bringing both countries to a, a big meeting in Mafeking on the South African side. It would be interesting to hear what they're Absolutely. That's what we're doing. And the principals, too, to react to that. We also have already, we've already sent them in South Africa the item results because it's clear that they're doing badly on certain items, really badly. So it's very important to get that to them. By the way, some of these items is because the teachers have no clue how to teach this stuff. Fractions. Just have no idea. The, the, fra the fraction results. Any fraction problem is disaster. It's a problem here, too. Well, all right. <laughs> The answer to your question is that they are trained like elementary teachers, but they are teaching a subject. And uh, I could show you the graph. The years teaching math is much lower than the years teaching overall. Uh, and it varies a lot. Um, so many of them didn't, have not taught, most of them have not taught math all the time that they've been teaching. But, but uh, and there are very few of them, very few of them are trained as, uh, with a subject-specific specialization in math. Not, un not unusual and not much different from primary school teachers in the United States. But they are, re they are teaching only math in the sixth grade. They might be teaching another grade, but... And they're usually teaching multiple classes in math. So there are very few multiple teachers in these schools, but there are multiple classes for the same teacher. Do you think the results would be the same for other subjects? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, you didn't ask me a question about language. Can I use that to answer a question about language? Okay. We're very concerned about the language because um, uh, these are not native English-speaking uh, students. Um, Ninety-five percent in, in Botswana, probably zero percent, are native-speaking English. And in both countries, the uh, initial teaching language is in uh, Tswana, in, in both sides of the border. It's Tswana, is the, officially in Botswana 
and so in South Africa it's the local language, and in this case it's Swana. Now, in, um, in Botswana, they teach up to third grade. I thought it was fourth grade, but it turns out to be third grade in Swana only. Oh, is English, English is a second language is taught since the first grade. In South Africa, it's more complicated. Uh, it is supposed to be in Swana to start with. It's unclear that they really teach in Swana. They teach probably in a mixture of things. Anyway, in any case, by the fourth grade in both countries, they are teaching math, and we're t teaching everything in English, ex uh, everything in English. Um, and the teachers in Botswana speak better English than in South Africa, from what we saw. Uh, there is some code switching, not as much as you suspect. Uh, the, in the, uh, there, there we did some averages, uh, and we found that the code switching teachers did, uh, the kids did somewhat worse, but it isn't really, uh, they're, they're just, they're too few in the sample to tell you uh, whether this is significant or not. Um, the, the main thing we did to check for this, uh, this problem, by the way, the kids in South Africa and in Botswana a little bit better, spoke a little bit better English than the kids in South Africa on average were very poor in English speaking. They couldn't communicate very well with you in English. They knew words, but they didn't, they were not fluent in English for the most part. So this could be a real problem. You're giving a test which uses English, the math. You got to know language to be able to answer some of these problems. So uh, we r rated each item by the degree of difficulty of the language and the degree of difficulty of the math. Okay, so we had four categories. Easy language, easy math, easy language, hard math, hard language, easy math, hard language, hard math. And see what the differences on these items were. There were significant differences between the scores. Um, it, to the degree that there was a difference, it was more on the math than on the language. In other words, the, the two hard math items were lower and the uh, hard language was not much different than the easy language. In other words, easy language, easy language, easy math, and hard language, easy math were very similar in the average scores, the items. Okay, you understand what we did? Um, and we did another rating, I don't remember what it was. But it doesn't appear, now, it doesn't, I'm not saying that it's not the case, but it does not appear that language was the problem on the math test. It's much from item by item analysis. It appears much more that the math was the problem. They simply had not learned the math very well. They did, some problems had almost no language with them, in them, and the math, they simply had not learned, they just didn't know the math. Okay, it's very clear. When, when you get an average of 10% or 15% on an item, kids are less than guessing. I mean, they're doing worse than just guessing because it's a multiple choice test. Go ahead.
Where the fraction problem is particularly language intensive? I don't, th- I don't think so. I think they were pretty simple. There, there were, there were, you know, there were problems that said, you know, uh, Ahmad, uh, uh, you know, wanted to sell these things. To, I mean, they had much more language in them uh, than the fraction problems. I don't think I, I, the teachers did badly on the fraction problems. Fact is, they just fraction problems, percent problems, these kinds of things, decimals. Well, is it a problem here? Yeah. Linda? Uh, I just wanted to point to a couple of really interesting instrumentation issues that might bear further exploration as you kind of delve into this data more. Uh, it was interesting that the teaching quality variable held up as highly significant in both countries under all the models. Um, you know, it's a pretty robust right. Yeah, there were 12 dimensions, 12 dimensions in the rating, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, it's something I'd love to hear more about. Well, I asked them to do it on five. I wanted to do it on five rather than three, and they can redo it on five. Uh, they were kind of blanched when I asked them to redo it on five. But anyway, uh, means it means it's... 12 oh, 12 dimensions, but I wanted them to go from one to five rather than one to three. Yeah. But uh, in any case, we had two raters. There were two raters on each. For every, for every No, for every videotape. And there were, uh, uh, there were 126 teachers. So we had one and a half videotapes on average per teacher. Uh, and so uh, some, they varied. In some cases, they, didn't, they, ge- they generally went, varied only by one. So some, on the first one, the teacher got a one. The second one, they got a two. Yeah, they're all in. They're all in That was just one dimension. Well, the teaching that that is one dimension of the teaching quality variable. Right. There are twelve like that. Right. Right. So what is going on in the observed math knowledge that's not captured in the math test is another just interesting question that is kind of floating out there that would be right. Well, uh, there's a whole section on this stuff about measuring the teacher's um, classroom behavior. Uh, and they, uh, they're going to go into this in great detail. I think they're even going to go further into the language part of it. 
because you can delve further into the test and see. I think, I think one of the uh, good parts of the study is that we really focus a lot on the, not just the overall test scores, but the items in the test. So we, I didn't show you this, but we did little production functions for each of the five categories of items. In other words, I told you five were number, systems, algebra, you know, patterns, um, uh, geometry, uh, measurement, and data. So each of those. Now, Right. That's an interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Being able to right. Frank. That's on the gains. That, that's just the gains. No, that's just the gains compared to the number of times they touched on the item. That's only the that's only the number of times they touched on the item. Lessons per topic. Topic means the topic on the test. Uh, versus the gains on that item. That's all that was in there. There was no teacher characteristics in there. No, I think in the South African case, they definitely should touch on the items more. I mean, in both, in both the, that matrix that we did on the gains per item and the final regression that I showed you for overall, uh, the, the uh, lessons on topic turn out to be significant and have a pretty sizable effect size, which is about 0.25. So both of the things are telling you the same thing, and that is in South Africa, more uh, time on each item is going to have a positive effect and pretty sizable. In Botswana, it, we can't find that effect. Okay, so um, either there's some, either they're near or some low-level optimum. Okay, that's possible, or something else is going on. Let, let me put it before we leave. Let me just put a super big caution, which, by the way, should apply to all value-added studies. Okay. And that is, when you do a value-added study, you are giving kids a test, an, a, a no-stakes test. Then you're giving them another no-stakes test at the end of the year. They're much more interested in the no-stakes test in the beginning of the year than they are at the end. The teachers are also. Um, more interested in the beginning. It's more novel to them. So uh, there's, first of all, there's tremendous error on both these tests. On any of the tests, there's very large error. So what we're doing here 
is we're, we're, measuring, we're measuring some effects within sort of a narrow band of explainable stuff. In South Africa, the explainable stuff seems to be a lot bigger than in Botswana, okay? So you have to be pretty careful. Uh, in the U.S., some people claim that there's tremendous variation to be explained between classrooms. This is Hanushek's view based on Texas data. Other people, are, I don't think, are finding all that much. I mean, the, listen to this. The more centralized Botswana system, the more centralized and regulated a system is, the less variation you're going to find between classrooms. Simple. The more you have people coming in and making sure everybody's doing the same thing on the same day, you're going to find. If you look at French uh, Tim's data, you find very little variation between schools. It's mostly individual kids variation. Okay? In other countries where you have very little regulation, very little control about what's going on in the classroom, you're going to have much more variation. Okay? So what's interesting about this is, I think, is that, first of all, there's a lot of error on these tests. So we're talking about, in both cases, explaining a piece of the action. There's a lot of action we can't explain. And there's errors on the test. We don't know whether kids were random marking. We do know that in seven schools, on the second test in South Africa, the teachers help the kids. Pretty clear. But they weren't teaching to this test. Yeah, no, they weren't. But it's the they weren't teaching to any test. To to they test. weren't teaching. <laughs> well, I think that. What about engagement? How is engagement a part of this process? If you're looking at these videos, yeah. Well, that's a, I would say that's a, a very kind interpretation of what is going on in these classrooms. Yeah, you could, no, expansive is right, but the fact is that the fact is that first of all, the test measured was a relatively easy test of what kids should know in mathematics according to that curriculum which is sort of the blueprint for what the teacher is supposed to be teaching the kids, okay? 
And the teachers are not only not teaching to the test, to this test or pretty much any other test. I mean, I've seen the end of quarter. I don't know, when you, when you go to South Africa, I'm sure you've been told, don't go to the schools at the end of the quarter because they're testing. You've heard this again and again, right? So I asked for the tests that they were giving in math in various schools. And here's why they were stopping the entire school to test. To give a core question test worth exactly 25 points apiece so that the teacher didn't have to really struggle to figure out what the score was on the test. Four questions at the end of the quarter, and that was it. This was the test of the student's knowledge, the feedback to the teacher of, whether, of what the student had learned during that quarter. That's it. Now, of course, they're looking at their books all the time, so I'm sure that they know sort of which are the good students in the class and which aren't the good students. I'm sure that they know that. The engagement is an engagement which you've seen over and over again in which the teachers basically say, write something on the board. I can show you if you're interested. Write something on the board and then say, class, what is this? And, every, and the five people who know it shout and everybody copies them. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any glamour to this. I don't think there's anything. It's true. If, if teachers, the teachers in Botswana are simply doing a better job, they're doing their job better. They're just doing their job better. There's no question that. They're just doing their job. They're not doing it great, but they're doing it better. No, they don't give a test. They're teaching the concepts which are in the curriculum. They're not even tested. They're not teaching it to a test. They're teaching, the, they're teaching without evaluation, practically without evaluation. I mean, they can see the books, so there's that evaluation, but there are no tests. There's no test. And so in Kenya, there's a test. Now it's in the eighth grade, I believe. And so they do teach to that test because the success of their school depends on how well their kids do on their test. But not, not in Botswana, South Africa. So I, I don't think there's much glamour to take away from this. I agree with you that I agree with you totally that the context of the two countries very much affects what goes on in those classrooms, very much. Uh, I believe that once this generation of South African teachers is gone, that in fact things will change. Okay? If, they, if it don't change, the kids are going to continue not to learn mathematics. I mean, that's the, that's the long and the short. They're just not learning. They're just not learning mathematics, not the way anybody would define it. But it's a multiple choice test. If, the, if we gave them a really difficult math test, just, you know, in which they tried to explain what's going on in a particular thing, the, the scores would be zero. Believe me. We gave very simple problems, mostly operational, mostly operational. Okay? No, we have it. I think someone else. Oh, okay. Oh, um, I was interested in when you talked earlier about the teacher's perception of uh, what they think their job is, what their right. purpose is in the classroom, and what the government's perception of what the teacher's job is, and if there are people, and I don't really know if there's a can of worms here, are there people in government or administration who are interested in your work, and are they interested? 
they also consider the teacher's primary purpose something different than what you're looking at? Well, it's a complicated question. The answer to the first question is yes. There are people in government who have known this for a long time, the obvious. The obvious is that there's much less time being spent teaching than they're supposed to be teaching. Okay, we don't, there are multiple reasons for that. Okay, it's not a single reason. Um, they are trying to do a better job of accountability. There is a problem in South Africa because it, it is not from the central government. It's not the central government that's in charge of these schools. It's the provincial government. Okay? The, the provincial governments vary a lot in their efficiency. So Western Cape is better than the others. Uh, Eastern Cape is totally corrupt and it's, it's a mess. They've, I, think, taken, I think the federal government may have taken over the schools. Somebody's taken over the schools in Eastern Cape. Uh, but in any case, so there's variation there. Um, however, on the other side of this equation is that the, the SATU, which is SADTU, which is the biggest teachers union, is a very powerful, not just political force, but basically a member of the government. Okay, so uh, it's not that they're out there like in Wisconsin uh, fighting against the governor. They're sitting at the table. Okay, so uh, it, their job, they think, is to protect their teachers. Um, I've talked with them at length and told them that, you know, when you're in this position, you're responsible for the kids as well. If you're sitting at the table, you're also responsible for the kids, not just for the teachers. But it's not an easy thing. The teachers are not fantastically well paid, but they're not badly paid. You've got to remember that they're secondary school graduates for the most part, not, not university graduates. It's one of the problems about recruiting new teachers. Now they require university degrees, the salaries really haven't gone up sufficiently, so you, primary school. So you can't get them into the schools. That's another issue. But the fact is that uh, they're reasonably well paid uh, for that level of education. They're not well paid compared to other professionals with university degrees. So they tend to see themselves as badly paid because they don't have the same salaries as people with university degrees. So it's a complicated issue. The teachers out in these schools in Northwest are teachers mainly from Northwest, okay? When they came into the schools, that was a great job for them, okay? Now it's not such a great job. So it's complicated. It's a complicated thing that's going on. To get them to do more, to get them to teach them to do more, because it isn't just doing more. As I said, they've got to have the skills to make those extra times that they touch those items valuable to the kids. Thank you very much. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.